Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone. On today's show, we have with us Neville Anderson, President and CEO of Bashaw Services, a company that provides emergency response, um, environmental services, uh, green consulting. So, for example, Neville's experience includes the management of a team of over 3,500 people that worked on the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Mm -hmm. And we also have with us uh, Benny Santoromana, a business consultant with the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center, and Bo Fields, chairman of C12 of North Georgia, a, a CEO peer group that focuses on Christian CEOs. So thank you so much for being with us, guys. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate you being here. So as always, I'd like to start the show by finding out from you what trends, market trends, you think are really important for our CEO listeners to know about. So Neville, tell us what's happening in, in your industry that you think is really important. Well, it's an exciting industry. Um, I've been privileged to be in it for about uh, 28 years now. And the trends continue to grow. I think the growth track is about 6% uh, on sustainable for the last 10 years uh, per year. Some years a little larger than that. But it's an exciting field with new trends in green and recycling and renewable energies and those type of things that are driving the industry and driving people to find alternative ways of uh, disposing of hazardous waste and treating them like a renewable product to save money and save uh, uh, resources, natural resources in this country. So it's an exciting industry uh, that continues to grow. For us, it's been extremely exciting over the last four years since we started uh, Bashaw Services and that we've seen uh, greater than 100% growth every year in our business. So we're very uh, happy with that and thankful and looking forward to uh, to the next five years where we'll even grow at a larger pace than 100%. Uh, per year in the next uh, two or three years. Well, yeah, doubling every year is pretty exciting. That is. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how uh, the, the fluctuation in oil prices. has. Have you seen that change, uh, anything in your, your industry at all? Well, well it avails more. Uh, one, it drives our costs down. So that's always a good thing for us. Um, it does cause uh, certain uh, markets to have less monies. For example, oil companies obviously have less monies to, to spend on environmental cleanup. Uh, so they'll then uh, uh, kind of slow down on their spending for those type projects. So on one hand, it drives down our cost. It avails more funds for some of our clients that are not in the oil industry. Uh, but for the oil industry customers, uh, the BPs of the world, the Exxons of the world, it certainly drives down their, uh, their bottom line and causes them to spend less. So one hand is good. One hand, it might slow down uh, some business. But we're excited by it. Uh, it does cause a lot of our clients to have more resources that they can spend on cleaning up the environment. Mm. And so how has the proliferation of, of green technology and the desire for people to, to be more green change, change the way that you think about your business? Well, for, for one thing, uh, historically, uh, I'll give you an example. It's real life now here in Atlanta on the uh, uh, former GM plant in Dorville. Uh, years ago, those plants would be taken down, and much of it would have been shipped off to a landfill. Uh, well, here today, as was the case for Atlantic Steel, which I had a, a role in cleaning up that site. That's Atlantic Station now. Atlantic Station now. Um, what happened there is instead of sending all that material off to be disposed of, 
there was a large amount of recycling that took place. Uh, so much so that instead of paying a demolition contractor uh, to take down those buildings, a demolition contractor is now paying uh, the owner uh, for the privilege to take that facility down because the value of the recycling exceeds the cost for taking it down. So that's an exciting change that's happening in an industry. It's caused uh, us to have to be a lot more creative in, in doing what we do because we do some demolition as well. And in doing that and finding recycle, uh, recycling options for materials, whether it's steel, whether it's copper, whether it's uh, uh, refrigerants, whether it's a host of different uh, chemicals, instead of disposing of that traditionally uh, by incineration or otherwise, uh, we have to seek out other options, for example, and uh, beneficial reuse for that material. And that produces a, a return and drives down the cost of the actual uh, demolition and other phases of the work uh, f for those major projects, those brownfield projects. Hmm. And what about you, Benny? Uh, what are you finding as you as you work with small businesses at UGA? Well, um, I actually tried to uh, draw a mosaic of uh, the root causes of trends um, before coming to this interview. And here's what I found. Um, the, it's that the, uh, the, the baby boomer generation um, they uh, uh, created uh, the biggest, probably the biggest uh, population uh, injection uh, in the in country uh, back uh, in, you know, from, from 46 and upward. And the implications of, of uh, the baby boomer generation um, extend till today, uh, obviously. Uh, first, uh, they are retiring, right? Um, and so that brings, uh, that brings up the younger generations taking over uh, companies and and businesses, uh, that's one. And uh, second, it also um, brings to light some issues of management. Uh, what I mean here is, so we we um, looked at research of um, you know um, uh, companies that um, uh, that are experiencing uh, issues or challenges in today's business world, and among well, actually the first. Um, challenge that they're saying all over the country is human capital management. It is talent management. It is uh, identifying, uh, capturing, retaining, and motivating a younger workforce. And so us baby boomers, I'm a baby boomer, right? Um, we, we, uh, we are caught in our day-to-day -day and uh, operation, and we tend to, um, well, not be conscious of the, the cultural uh, momentum that's being created by the younger generation. And so that poses um, what we found as challenges in in uh, managing businesses today. So that's one big trend. Um, and there's a lot of implications as well in the um, uh, other sectors of, of business. For instance, healthcare. Uh, boomer, uh, boomers retiring, um, the uh, age, um, you know, life expectancy is, is uh, getting longer. And in, in itself, that's a good thing, but it also creates a lot of demand for for healthcare, and so we are seeing a lot of healthcare-related businesses uh, coming up um, in uh, in our you know part of the world. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And so as we look at these challenges, you know the the talent management, and then the the need for for healthcare. What are the recommendations that you that you would have for CEOs who are maybe confronting some of these issues? Well, one recommendation is um, 
and this has been around for some time, but it needs to be restressed uh, at this time, which is um, business leaders today have have to have a higher degree of emotional intelligence. Uh, research by Harvard uh, says that uh, a business leader, right, an entrepreneur, an executive, a CEO, may be intelligent, brilliant, and uh, smart, but if that uh, person does not have EI or emotional intelligence, the chances of that executive uh, not succeeding are higher than someone who has uh, emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence, in a nutshell, is the ability of a person to recognize his or her own you know, feelings and emotions and sentiments and how they affect others. So this, um, and again, maybe this is a broad brush uh, picture of you know, boomers who went through maybe the war or post-war um, hardships and challenges. They tend to be a little, you know, uh, on the on the hard side of things, and and uh, uh, that's that's a totally different mentality from uh, from the younger generations. And are mm-hmm. you finding in your work that the boomers or some of the more um, mature generations are heeding the the advice that's been given to them about developing greater emotional intelligence? Do you think they're getting the message? I uh, I would oh, have. That's a long pause. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we you know we we tend to uh, go with evidence based uh, responses, right? Uh, as much as we can. Uh, but um, in the uh, with the limited data points I have, uh, you know, I see about a hundred plus uh, clients per year, right? Um, what I'm observing is that uh, those successful uh, business owners. Uh, tend to build a very strong business DNA, so to speak. Um, they have a sense that, you know, I built this business, it succeeded. I know there's one way to make it work. And if I have someone who's uh, a, a younger person running this business, I don't think they'll have that that passion for it, and I don't think it's going to work. And so this um, this thinking uh, is is relevant in terms of business owners turning their businesses over to the next generation, maybe a a child or a family member, and they don't have as much confidence uh, that the younger generations can carry the business through. What does business DNA mean? It is the, uh, well, business DNA uh, is, is, I coined that word, but uh, as as a result of, you know, dealing with so many business owners, it is the uh, combination of, uh, the ability of that uh, business owner to um, um, identify problems, overcome them, uh, come up with good solutions, and so that be- uh, the the uh, that, that experience becomes ingrained in the psyche of that uh, business person, and so that person that that person carries that uh, that that business genetic, you know, all throughout his business life or her business life. And um, uh, in many cases, it works. You know, it works for them. Hmm. And so you're saying, is it is it very common for business owners to be like, this is the way I've done it. This is the way that it always needs to be done. Um, kind of, it's my way or the highway kind of thing. It it that 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 is an easy yes. That is uh, not an easy, but that's a natural inclination mm-hmm. of um, business owners and business leaders. I would say. Yes. Great. So uh-huh. I guess in in other words, no, they're not developing the emotional intelligence that the that that they're being advised. Well, uh, well, if we if we talk maybe about uh, statistics, um, maybe a minority are and mm-hmm. a majority are not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so which brings up another you know aspect of business which is um, you know uh, uh, turning businesses over maybe selling them uh, so one of the one of the um, uh, focus areas that that I personally um, am, am interested in is transitioning businesses uh, from the current state to the future state because businesses mean employment uh, businesses mean tax revenues for the state, for, for the country, uh, for the uh, city, uh, and so on. So it is in the best interest of society, basically, uh, for businesses to continue. So for, um, uh, for, for businesses that, that, um, uh, where, where, the business, where the owners are of, let's say, retirement age, right, um, I encourage them to prepare for transition, whether to their uh, family members or to outside parties, um, and so that 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 would be a direction I would recommend uh, for business owners, especially the ones who don't want to change their ways. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that well and sell it, right? and, and that is part of the uh, that's part of the uh, interve- intervention uh, process um, is, is for us to help business owners recognize um, you know those those dynamics, mm-hmm. and and then we you know we help them out. Great, great, great. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Bo? What are you finding in your in your work with with C twelve? Um, specifically, in in lots of small companies that are delivering our product or service, either B two B or B two C. Uh, typically, these are locally based companies, so their customers are most often uh, locally based. They're operating with revenues typically of one to fifty million dollars a year, and I'd say over the last several years. The biggest change that we've observed or the, the, a lot of the questions that we're working through have to do with the delivery of the marketing, that it has to do with um, e-commerce and, and e-marketing and using social media tools to really determine what is useful, what's not useful, that there's a lot of noise in the marketplace, and is it just a lot of uh, banging of pots and pans, or is, or is there anything distinctive that your business is addressing? Are you making a different sound? Are you um, are you connecting with your target? And as we look at engaging these tools and using different ways of offering, promoting, uh, increasing the exposure uh, of the product or the service, one of the things that we're getting more intentional about is looking for ways to measure and track your connection with the target. And as difficult as that is, that seems to be the greatest return for really determining is this fundamentally sound for us to engage in this or how much money and time are we going to dedicate to this? When you say this, you mean the actual tactics of of the marketing, whether or not it's social media or social marketing. And so is that actually changing the message at all or is it just the way the message is delivered? It's changing the message some. Um, we primarily focus on the fundamentals and then evaluate or discern where the methods are changing, the methods of delivery are changing, but stick to the fundamentals of what is impacting value in your product and service, what, what's influencing the fundamental value of your product and service, and uh, really focusing on two things, uh, that what can you wisely do for developing a, a greater insight and understanding of how your customer or your intended target perceives your business or the product or service that you specifically offer. So we we drilled down into uh, really looking at that because our belief is that at the end of the day, you're looking for ways to connect to to 
to address a problem or an opportunity that they may uh, experience, but somebody's got to get face-to-face eventually or eyeball-to-eyeball to really uh, engage in where would this actually be useful for you and to what degree might you apply this to uh, your business personally or to the, the situation, the problem, or the opportunity that you currently have before you. Mm-hmm. And now are you finding that the the change in the delivery of the marketing is making it more difficult to have that eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face interaction? Yes, in that it, it, it uh, seems to set up barriers. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the, the old TV show in the 60s and 70s called Get Smart, but the way the show opened was there was a series of metal doors in an underground tunnel, and you had to walk through these doors to get back to uh, ground zero or where the... Uh, where the operation was centered. And it seems to be that we, we work on penetrating a series of doors because we set up barriers uh, in terms of how much information we want to receive or the type of communication that we prefer. And so until we really graduate or allow either people uh, reveal themselves or until we penetrate and get through these doors, there's not a, a more personal connection sometimes, whereas that used to be their old business model was, well, we just went out and did this. You know, we just stopped by. We called on them. We, we looked for ways to get face-to-face, and it was more relational, whereas now it appears to be more informational, and the struggle is, well, how do we, how do we operate through a more informational perspective or a more educational perspective and, and look for ways to work towards a face-to-face or a more direct encounter. Mm-hmm. So is, is your point of view that the, the relationships have, are people perceiving the relationship as having less value now? I think most people under age 45 are. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they tend to, to operate through more of a perspective of uh, web-based type tools. And while they do uh, utilize their connections, I think, what we observe in people that are more likely in their mid-40s to mid-60s that are still operating is, for them, it always was and, and to some degree still is about, well, well, who are you and what do I know about you personally and about your business personally? I'm under, I'm under 45 and I'm actually under 40. And no, the relationship, I would disagree. I think the relationships still matter. It's just they, they look different. Good. Um, and so... I mean, another thing that I, I think is interesting with, with you, Bo, is, of course, your your group is Christian CEOs. Mm-hmm. And in, would you say that that's an emerging trend? And why why would somebody choose to be in a group specifically for CEOs that, that are Christian? That's a great question uh, because it starts with why. And, and typically we do focus a lot of time on motives, looking at motives and looking at specific purposes. So motives for motives for why are you in this business? Why did you get into this business and why are you remaining in this business? And and what do you believe the specific purposes for your life and your business are? Do you have clarity in that? Mm-hmm. And why is the religion an important part of that dialogue? Because people could be in business for you, you can answer that question a thousand different ways. Um, fundamentally, the what's different is that. Our, perspe- our perspective is um, we focus very little on uh, a man-centered view and we focus a lot of time on a God-centered view. So we look at, uh, in terms of standard, where if you've got 10 or 12 people sitting around a conference table in a, in a business roundtable format, 
they've got probably 10 or 12 different perspectives, and we appreciate that. At the same time, we're looking f- to, to fundamentally answer what is the wise thing to do, um, what does wisdom look like in this situation, and what's the standard, what's the truth here? Because otherwise, we've just got 10, 12 people voicing their opinion, and whoever may be the particularly excellent debater or whoever may have the most persuasive argument or points may carry the day. But that may not be what's fundamentally true or what's wise in that situation. They may just be better at communicating it or have a more fun, uh, a deeper understanding of the situation. So we focus on what is the wise thing to do, typically in looking at the people situations in the business, looking at the, at the practices of your revenue generation, your operations, the fundamental delivery of the product or the service, and the financial management of the business. So we primarily focus on those three aspects, always looking to what's the wise thing to do, what's the fundamental wisdom, and then what are the consequences uh, on the people, on other people that are uh, invested or are part of your business, and then primarily focused on, well, what does God's will or God's truth appear to be for this situation? Mm. And how, how would you say that it affects the way that they run their businesses. So, and in particular, you know, being business people, you know, you, I'm assuming that the people in your group are not nonprofits, right? So they want to make money. Uh, yes, we, I would say that 10% of the members participating in the roundtables come from a nonprofit perspective, but most of us are focused on the fundamental value of the product or service that we're delivering and, and the revenue tied to that. But to answer your question about, um, what's different in, in, in how they operate the business, I would say that fundamentally we begin with a view uh, that we are not the owner. And that's a different view from the, the sense that, yes, we may be described as the owner, we may be described as the founder, we may be described as the managing member, but we're not truly the owner of that business. We are a steward, so we, everything we do is filtered through stewardship and management, not ownership. The reason that's important is we don't focus much on our self-interest. We focus on uh, what is in God's best interest here, what's in the interest of others, and then how does this impact us? So you might look at it as uh, we typically place ourselves third. Mm. So repeat who's one and two again? Uh, God would be first and others would be second. Got it. And, And so how does that actually show up in the bottom line? Or does it? Well, it shows up differently in different businesses. It may show up differently in how the ownership and the leadership of the business compensate themselves, uh, depending upon what their wants and needs and desires are in that business. They may compensate themselves very differently. They may take a what we would call a God-centered view, an other-centered view, and they may uh, typically tend to be more generous, more sharing. They may have different motives and purposes for that business. Um, I would say that it, it typically shows up in a, uh, in a service mindset or a mentality of, uh, we're not here to, um, only increase our ownership equity. This is not about us, uh, build this up and look for ways to maximize and sell it in three to five years and move on to the next deal. So it's primarily about what are you really producing through this business that matters to God and that has a, a positive impact or influence on others mm-hmm. who are vested in the in the day-to-day operation of that business. Right. 
Very, very interesting. So just to, to go back to your point about relationships, you, you guys, you know, have a, have a relationship in the room. And, and, I, and I think that a lot of people would still agree that relationships form the foundation of business because at the end of the day, like you said, you, you have to face somebody in order to transact, right? You eventually, two people do have to sign uh, a, a document or there has to be some exchange of money in order for the transaction to take place. So at, at the end of the day, you still have to have, have two human beings who need to come to an agreement. So um, I would love to, to just find out about the relationship amongst you guys. And Neville, um, you invited Benny and, and Bo to be with you. And I would love to find out what it is that had you invite them to be with you this morning. Okay. I'll start by talking a little bit about a background there for our business t- to piggyback on what Bo was sharing. Uh, I don't know if you know the history of our company and the name of our company, Bashaw Services. Uh, Bashaw is actually my, my daughter's middle name. And my wife and I took us nine years to have nine years to have a child. We were told by five of Atlanta finest docs that we couldn't have children, and uh, so we had a miracle girl. Uh, we named we sought after names that were kind of befitting of our experience there and the miracle of her birth. And her first name is Milani, uh, which means means blessed in Italian. Her middle name that we sought after is Bashaw, and it's a Hebrew word for gift from God. Uh, so for our business, business, our Christian faith is real important to us. It, it drives everything. Uh, you know, Bo talked about uh, first, second, and third, uh, and God being first, others being second, and us as business owners being th- um, third. Well, for us, it's important for us to, to, to give uh, out of our stewardship. Uh, it's, it's, it's God's money. So some of our priorities are to give to giving to missions. Uh, so out of our proceeds, our profit, we give to missions and also to other charitable uh, organizations like the Wounded Warrior Project. So that's very important to us, uh, for us to help these other groups uh, to conduct uh, their work, whether it's on the missions field or whether it's in helping our troops uh, wherever they might serve. You asked about our relationship. uh, uh, Came to know both another uh, Christian businessman who was my client, uh, Bo happened to be visiting with him one day, day after I visited with him, and he knew of my faith and uh, introduced the two of us, and uh, we've been uh, communicating since. Uh, Bo's invested a lot in, in our business, just in uh, giving good godly counsel t- uh, to our business, and uh, we're moving towards a point that we're an active, a more active uh, participant and member in C12. Our biggest hurdle uh, thus far has been the lack of time and my unpredictable schedule. Um, being a, a business owner and a four-year-old company, um, I travel a lot and I have a, a emergency response is one of my biggest service offerings. So clients call at any point, 24 hours a day. Yeah, if, if there's an oil spill someplace. I've, I've, we've got to go. Right. And depending on how big it is, if it's a small enough spill, we've got folks um, that could handle that. But if it's, uh, um, if it's large... Uh, and emergencies are more than just oil spills. They could be different type of natural mm-hmm. disasters or otherwise. Uh, we've got some uh, clients who play a vital role in our infrastructure in this country, uh, air traffic control, for, for, for example, and we respond to a lot of incidents related to that to make sure that, that, uh, that those uh, um, processes go on even after a disaster, and we do a lot of training to do that too. So we, um, to speak to your, your comment on... Um, uh, face-to-face marketing, it's important to us to build a relationship still. Uh, yeah, the social media side and the internet side and the uh, web-based uh, side is good, but we still do best 
when we get in front of and develop a relationship with a client. Uh, Benny and the University of Georgia, a small business development center, has been been really instrumental to us to on a number of different fronts, and the most recent of which is to get some capital. Uh, so it's been it's a challenge. Uh, we started our business in the height of the recession, uh, which some people question my. We talked about wisdom. Uh, some people <laughs> question my wisdom um, in, in doing it at that time, but it, you know it was the right time, and uh, we believe it was God's time for us to launch. Um, but uh, Benny has been very instrumental uh, in us getting capital in, in, a, in an environment that did not lend itself uh, to startups uh, getting capital, uh, much because of partly because of my experience and the fact that we made wise uh, choices in my household in preparation for even starting. Uh, for example, for years and years, if I uh, uh, received a, a bonus and I was privileged to receive some large ones from my previous employer, I wouldn't spend it. Uh, we would invest it. Uh, we would buy either uh, commercial uh, yeah. uh, real estate or we'd invest uh, those monies. And uh, frankly, we were able to self-fund our business uh, principally because we made those decisions at those times. But as you grow, you, you need more capital. And uh, uh, the University of Georgia Small Business Development paired us uh, with some folks who could help in that regard uh, and without us having to give up equity at this time, which was very important for us as we uh, get to the next level and better position ourselves to uh, grow our, our equity in our business. So that's how I came to know these two gentlemen. It was real uh, beneficial to our success to uh, know folks like this and uh, gentlemen like this and organizations like this uh, is critical to not just our business, but, but any small business success. So you mentioned your plans for, for growth, and and I'm wondering how your faith in working with these wonderful advisors has really informed your strategy um, for growth, whether or not it's your Christian your you know Christian faith or the counsel that you've gotten from Bo and and, uh, and Benny. How how are you thinking about your strategy in that context? Well, um, the the challenge in in uh, any small business where you don't have uh, and this this is not to seem or sound conceited when you don't have more use. You know, you're, you're the yeah, champion. I often wish I could ship. clone myself. And well, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> when, when you don't have that, it's, it's very important to have some good outside counsel. And, uh, and that's a, a resource that um, uh, is very valuable. Uh, so it does help in, in asking the right questions of you as to what your motives are and whether that makes sense and, and whether that growth or those employees are uh, uh, not having your overhead grow beyond your current revenues and. You know, the strategies involved in all of that and providing market research. I've been in the industry for 28 years, but it's good to get a more global perspective if you hope to be a global company. Uh, University of Georgia is real good in, in providing a small business development center is real good in providing that uh, global marketplace. We've been fortunate that we've had the privilege of serving our, our we did a, a project for the U.S. government on foreign soil that the EPA calls a first of its kind. And for a, a four-year-old company, that's, uh, 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 we are uh, well pleased with that comment and that feedback that we had from the EPA. But it involved doing remediation on four sites uh, on foreign soils and importing that uh, hazardous waste back to the states for proper disposal. Um, but uh, in, in, in preparing for that, having the resources for that, and, and looking more at more global proj uh, projects, 
it's important to have a more global view and the resources and information that uh, uh, these guys have given to us from a global perspective has been uh, real key in us uh, looking uh, uh, at a larger playing field than just locally here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I'm very interested from from both Benny and, and Bo is what, in your per- perspective, does it take to provide wise counsel uh, to a CEO? Benny, you want to take that one? Sure. Um, I, I think a lot, a lot about, um, you know what, that to be honest with you, I think a lot about life itself before I'm able to connect with my clients. And so I, um, I try to inject, um, you know, a, a, a quite a bit of relevance. Um, I try to suggest to my clients, uh, to business owners, what is the relevance of your business to society? Uh, and what I found was the, um, if a business owner, if a CEO is able to uh, articulate that, then the business has a much better chance of succeeding. A very good example is, and this is one of our favorite examples, is uh, Anderson Hospital in Houston, Texas. Uh, they have an external vision, right? And we, we talk about visioning in, in business. Uh, their external vision is making cancer history. So you see that on their website. You see that on in, in their lobby. You see that uh, identifying that particular hospital. So it is not this hospital wants to be the leader in something at some point, or we want to be the most profitable, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it uh, their vision resonates. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, their, their vision resonates with the general public. And when you have an emotional uh, connection with the marketplace, in my opinion, it, it, um, it, it does a lot of good to the, uh, to the business. So that, that perspective, um, because I, had, I also had my own business before coming to UGA SBDC, uh, I've, um, my realization was if I did not connect with, the, with, with people per se in how I can benefit um, uh, their their livelihood, their quality of life, um, then um, it becomes a dollars and cents game, and that that is that's not the best formula. So to your to your point, to your question, uh, I, I try to um, um, bring uh, business owners, CEOs, executives uh, to that point of uh, awareness of their relevance, the business uh, relevance to this to society. And I, I uh, facilitate an articulation of that as we go through our meetings. Um, I ask questions. Um, well, what is your internal vision? Well, okay, I uh, want to have my own island 10 years from now with $5 billion <laughs> in, the, in the bank, right? Okay, good. That's your internal vision. Now, what is your external vision? And that, that is something that people uh, I found, uh, business owners, CEOs, um, have to think hard about. And when you look at and this is part of my how I do things is uh, I research uh, company websites. Uh, I look at their vision, mission, value statements. And um, I would say, uh, unfortunately, 80 percent um, are not able to articulate that external vision. So my, the external vision being what's the impact that you hope to have on, on society right. in, 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 a, in a manner of speaking, how can your business how can the world be made less imperfect because of your business? 
Mm. That that would be you know kind of a a guiding uh, phrase that I would pose to you know, to business owners. And if they capture that, if they get the answer to that question, um, then I think I think they'll they'll you know they'll they'll just uh, they're just on a good road to success. Great. What about you, Bo? I would say the the two things that are primary in terms of being of use or or genuine help to uh, to a business leader or owner is first credibility. You need to have some credibility in that you've either been in the fight or you understand the deal and how the game is played. And if you've if you are at least relevant in terms of most people understand that. Uh, you may not be in their industry, you may not be in their particular business niche, but if you really have a fundamental understanding of uh, people, money, and market, well, then the product or service may be different, but you understand the mechanics of you desire to find somebody to serve your product or service to, deliver that product or service, and then keep track of the finances and their satisfaction that revolve around that. So from that place, we operate with uh, just a perceived uh, desire to, to be credible, but to communicate trustworthy credibility. And then secondly, in terms of wisdom, you need to have insight and understanding. You need to have insight into the types of challenges, the types of situations that that person, that business owner uh, or, or CEO has in terms of what they typically are facing in a day, what, as Neville mentioned, the time challenges, that, that's really the greatest uh, challenge or that's the, that's the greatest conflict is figuring out what to do with your time, what's worth doing, what's, worth, what's not worth doing, but focusing on the fundamental wisdom of insight and understanding into particular situations and, uh, and looking at, your, at the credibility uh, that you personally bring, but then also uh, just the fundamental of trust are you are you not only credible but are you trustworthy in that you're seeking what's in that other person's best best interest not in your own best interest mm-hmm. and for your case Bo I'm interested in and you talked a little bit about insight and I like the word discernment um, and so as you look at your relationship with uh, with God in your group how do you maintain discernment because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I think I'm like, God told me to do this thing. And it's like, not what God wanted me to do. Uh, Sometimes the discernment can be a little bit off. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, We will openly test things. And uh, because God shows us in his word that we're, we're welcome and we're invited to test truth. We will openly take a situation. Let's say, uh, actually there was recently a situation regarding, potentially firing someone in a business. Uh, and it was over a, it was over a character, or we'll just say an error in judgment related uh, decision. And it had great liability and impact to the business um, in this particular case. The person who was going to be fired made a mistake? Person, person made a mistake in operating a vehicle and it actually endangered lives. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it endangered many lives. And, it, and although no one was uh, seriously injured, um, the potential ramifications could have been very great and damaging to the business. So the owner was looking at, uh, you know, this person made a simple mistake, but the, the thinking behind this kind of error is so serious that I really am wrestling with 
are they a good fit? And, uh, you know, was this just a temporary lapse or is there something underlying here because I'm really questioning whether I need to let them go? Well, we, we looked at uh, truth. We tested that. We, to answer your question, we looked at, well, um, what are the considerations and factors in this situation? Um, where can we find principles in, uh, from God's word to apply to this? Um, what's the insight and understanding of the other advisors at the, at the round table? So those were three elements. And then we looked at the internal element of peace. Do you have peace about retaining this person, or do you have a lack of peace? And do you have peace about letting this person go for the benefit of the others who are vested in that business? We primarily focused on those four factors. Uh, the person went away uh, from, the, from the business roundtable that day. They made a, a decision, I think, the following week prior to making their decision, there were two actions which they agreed to take um, from the time they left the round table um, until the time that they would decide, yes, that person is going to be retained or they'll be let go. So uh, we had a, a basic plan of action in order for them to get more insight and to, to more deeply discern that matter. But um, it really was a fundamental question of wisdom. Um, and what was in the best, what was God's will or, or what was God's truth for that business? Because you have responsibilities to the business. And even though you want to help people, you still have a fundamental responsibility to the business and everything that's vested in that. Um, and so uh, we looked at, in that situation, if you choose to let this person go, how will you do that? And what will you do with them or for them after they are terminated from the business? because that's what we challenge that person in. Um, if you make this decision, what will you do in going the second mile with them, in helping them in a transition? Hmm. What happened? They did let the person go. Uh, they were seeking to avoid a, a potential lawsuit, um, and they did help that person transition to another opportunity and employer. Great. Thank you for that. So one of the themes that I that I definitely hear emerging is this focus on on being of service, right? Like what's your motive and making sure that you're really clear about the impact that your business and your business activity is going to have on the world. And one of the things that I, I wonder about is how, and Benny, you observed that maybe 80% right, really take the time to develop that focus. So I'm wondering how do how does one um, take the attention off of yourself and, you know, I want the private island with the Learjet. Um, which is nice, right? You know, private island with a Learjet is a great thing. But uh, how how does one cultivate that that willingness to you know be centered in in others and to be of service versus focusing on the the what's in it for me, basically? Yes, I mean, me? well, all of you, because okay. I mean, that, that isn't that the first thing that people say in marketing or sales is you got to focus on what's in it for the other person, you know, what's in it for them, right? right? So everybody's focused typically, you know, 80% of people, you know, <clears throat> if you use <throat> Benny's statistic, 80% of people are focused on what it's, what's in it for them. So yeah, I'd love it if you guys would each take a turn and answer that. Okay, I'll start. Um, for us, uh, I certainly have goals uh, for my family personally, mm -hmm. and that's important to me to realize those goals. I, I try to, we try to live, when I say we are, my family, try to be in God's will in setting those goals. Uh, so we're not uh, self-centered in doing that, but we do have goals. 
and we're working towards those goals and, uh, and we're going to realize those goals. Uh, but it's also important for us to, to, again, not put the focus solely on us. And we do that by having a, uh, uh, being purposeful in what we're doing to help others. So we're, we're purposeful just to, uh, to help missionaries. We're purposeful to help our troops. We're purposeful to help other, uh, other, um, um, charitable organizations. Uh, we're also purposeful in providing for our employees. It's important for us to provide a place uh, for our employees where they can grow and they can uh, build a retirement. Uh, we don't have pension. We're too small for that right now. Uh, but we want to put in place and to help folks along the path. Did you all hear uh, that? When he gets big enough, you can get a pension at Bashaw <laughs> Services. You're going to well, have a whole we, flow we're, of people. We're, we're very hopeful uh, that we can create an environment that we're, we're really helping in a meaningful way people to prepare for their uh, their retirement uh, but we also want to create an environment where people enjoy uh, coming to work and that they will choose us over other other they have cho- choices. Every employer, if you're, if you're good, you have choices. And we want to create an environment where folks want to work for us and others in the industry will hear of our employees' experience uh, because of how we treat them, because of how we value them, and because of how important they are to our success, uh, that they too would want to join us. Um, I've had uh, um, a, a kind of a legacy of that previously, and, and we're building that where we are. So it's important for us to be purposeful, uh, to not put the focus solely on us. Uh, if you were to ask uh, our folks what my goal is personally uh, for, uh, you know, in ter- terms of my island, if you will, uh, none of them would, would, would be able to share that. Uh, but what's important for us is to uh, put the focus on, on, again, helping missionaries, helping uh, uh, our troops, our wounded warrior projects, and those type of things, and also for us to build an environment for our folks where they can grow and they can provide for their families, and not, not only provide for their families today, uh, but build a legacy uh, where they can provide for their families or provide for themselves even after retirement. Mm-hmm. So that's important to us. What about you, Benny? All right. Well, if the so the question is, uh, how can one, a CEO or business owner, <clears throat> Uh, take the attention from himself, which is a natural thing, um, and be more externally centered, right? Um, um, many, uh, maybe many uh, CEOs, business owners have heard of peer advisory boards. Uh, these are, uh, it, it's lonely to be a business owner. I was one and I was, you know, it, it's lonely to, not necessarily to be on the top, but uh, it's just lonely. Um, you, you can't, um, uh, bounce ideas off of anyone because you're the leader of your business. You're um, uh, you own the business, so there are um, there's a, a wide var- variety of peer advisory boards uh, that are available um, for CEOs and business owners to access. And what happens here um, is you join a group of um, other business owners, and you hold yourselves uh, accountable to each other. Like as if you were a real board of directors. We've uh, had a number of of peer advisor group leaders on the on the show as as Bo, as as with Bo, yeah. So uh, on uh, particularly on on the uh, on the point of how does one how does a CEO um, become more externally centered? Uh, I would propose that uh, number one that that CEO join uh, that board. Number two is to um, surface that topic uh, in in a board meeting. All right, uh, that. Business owner can say, "Folks, today, um, uh, let's talk about 
being externally centered? What is the vision that we have for the people outside our companies? Um, and then, you know, they, they test each other and uh, hopefully they can come up with a, an external vision. Now, uh, many peer advisory boards are also led by, um, you know, a facilitator. So, you know, on, on the practical side of things, that's what I would recommend. It's to uh, it's for CEOs, business owners to join uh, these groups of other business people, um, and make um, uh, and make this this uh, externally centered uh, centeredness of their business be a topic in one of the board meetings. Um, I, I do know that um, change is difficult, uh, especially if one has experienced success doing um, you know, a process of, of activities and events in the business that made it successful. It's, it's hard to change ways, right? So the, the process uh, uh, to change ways needs some very active intervention. Uh, one, one is not able to, to personally say, well, I'm going to change tomorrow, right? I'm going to be the best emotionally intelligent person <laughs> there is. It, it doesn't happen that way. Um, uh, the, the 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 spirit can be strong, but uh, you know the the ways of uh, of the past can be very very hard to change. So, so the the real life interventions I would recommend would be join a peer advisory board, make that a topic in one of the meetings, um, engage a uh, an, uh, a facilitator, um, a subject matter expert, maybe just for one meeting or two meetings, just to set the tone for what the subject is about. Um, and um, and I, I believe change can happen. Great. And Yubo, and what, what can CEOs do to be more externally focused? Start with why. Why is this worth considering? Why might it have benefit? Why would it be useful? Um, why would it make a difference in the business? Why would it make a difference in the people, in the way in which the finances are managed in the business and the way in which the customer is served or uh, delivered to. But I, w I, would, uh, I would focus on purpose. Uh, I really would first focus on what are your specific purposes in this business and what do you desire to accomplish in and through this business. And I'd get honest with myself. Because this is not a, that's not a place to really hide your motives because you really, if you really want clarity on what is it I really desire in this business and, and what is it I'm hopeful of, of accomplishing through this business, uh, the greater the clarity you have on these motives, <laughs> aren't you better served in, in truly understanding them? Well, God knows uh, anyway, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> we, we, anyway. well, we, we struggle with it, but, uh, but, uh, he doesn't, but anyway, um, I would focus on purposes and then I would focus on, um, I'd focus on the now and eternal. And when I say now, a lot of decisions or a lot of situations we look at, we do focus on what is wise now, what do you need to do now and how do you need to do it? And then we also look at uh, what I call the, the three-month, the three-year, and the 300-year perspective in that we look at what do you need to do here over the next three months and what do you need to do that may have a three-year benefit or perspective to it and then eternally, 300 years and beyond, what matters? What's the eternal benefit or significance of this situation of you in this business, of these other people in this business? Because the the customers are going to come and go 
the money's going to move in and out of the business. And if you remain here three years, five years, 10 years, you know, what do you desire to come to each day? What do you desire to, uh, to enjoy about the day-to-day delivery of the service or product and the operation of the business? Because it's a, it's a toil. It's a grind. So can you find some enjoyment in this? And, but most importantly, can you find a sense of purpose? And if you, can, if you can get up out of bed in the morning and have a sense of purpose of, I know why I'm going there, I know what I'm working on, and I know how we're going to focus on doing this, well, most people want to be a part of something that has that kind of clarity. Mm, right. Well, 300 years, that's really deep. <laughs> that's really deep. Um, so, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, as we look towards closing, uh, I would love to just find out if there's anything new and exciting happening in your, your businesses or your practices that you'd like to let listeners know about. Um, Neville, is there anything new that's happening? Uh, well, we, we, we're again excited about the future. Um, we're excited about 300 years and the legacy that we would leave uh, behind uh, for our company. Uh, someone mentioned here today on the uh, business relevance. Uh, what's exciting to us is the, the relevance of our business. Uh, I mentioned a couple of projects that I've had the privilege of working on, and it speaks to what's exciting about the future. You know, in cleaning up, for example, the Atlantic Steel uh, project. Well, we see the relevance of that now because they were not able to develop that site because uh, of contamination for years and years. It sat dormant. Uh, well, the relevance of the business is that after we're done, uh, there's good beneficial reuse of those properties when we're done. In the case of the, uh, the work on major oil spills, uh, that affects coastlines, it affects beaches, it affects businesses. Uh, the relevance for us is that uh, business relevance is that after we're done uh, with our cleanup and uh, uh, beachgoers uh, can return to the beach, fishermen can continue to fish uh, again, and that uh, hotels do business. Uh, it drives our economy. So what's exciting for us is that the future is really bright in our industry. Uh, we see uh, kind of an unlimited uh, uh, market in terms of growing into uh, serving other customers. And as uh, customers become more and more aware of different options that they have, uh, costs are actually going down in certain areas, again, because of recycling, uh, because of uh, d- just different strategies that are employed uh, to help to reduce the cost of do- doing what's right. Uh, that also is a big driver for our economy, not only from a standpoint uh, that we, when we're done, it allows people to again use properties again, go to beaches, those type of things, fish, uh, clean drinking water. But it drives uh, our economy because we employ people. Uh, we support subcontractors. We support other vendors. Uh, so what's, ex- what's exciting for us is that it's constantly changing. Uh, technology does affect us and how we can deliver our services, for example, again, whether it's cleaning uh, groundwater, uh, our drinking water supplies, and, and so on, or whether it's uh, um, different recycling options, or finding someone that can use a chemical that had previously been disposed of by incineration, for example. It might be someone that we could uh, tweak that chemical t- to where someone else can use it for a beneficial use that uh, is of benefit to them and um, to society. So it's exciting uh, time in our industry, um, the, the the economy does affect us some, uh, but if if we are um, uh, flexible, uh, we can weather the ebbs and flows of the economy. And uh, the future looks real bright for Bashaw Services in our 
Environmental Remediation Emergency Response Disaster Response Service, offering consulting and engineering, and, and we're real excited about it and looking forward to the future. Awesome. Benny? Yes. Uh, well, for all, um, I, I will address this to all business owners and executives. Uh, U- University of Georgia Small Business Development Center, we are very, very happy to uh, uh, be able to provide um, um, certain services to to, you, to all of you. Uh, first is the one-on-one consulting, which we don't charge. Um, and um, just a quick um, uh, background on that, we are all, um, all consultants are have at least an MBA uh, and have at least um, run a business, own the business, or um, manage the business. So there's experienced consultants uh, to help you in all aspects of your operation from strategic planning all the way down to uh, uh, human resource management. So that's one thing. And uh, my second and last message would be uh, please take advantage of our continuing education classes for uh, executives and business owners. Uh, there are three um, coming up in the in the near horizon. Uh, one is funding your business. So we will have a class on um, uh, advising or counseling uh, business owners on how to raise capital, uh, whether through investments or uh, loans, uh, you know, for their for the business. Another uh, class that's coming up, uh, the second out of three, is uh, QuickBooks. Uh, QuickBooks uh, for advanced uh, uh, users. You uh, business owners, you may um, you may send your 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 staff to that, or you can you know you might want to learn that yourself. So. Uh, come to the, uh, one of our classes on QuickBooks. And third, uh, for this year, we'll have a digi- digital marketing boot camp uh, because technology, web-based communications, web-based business uh, are is, is a field that business owners need to catch up on, especially the boomers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a very popular class. We started this last year, and uh, we have had to close enrollment because of the avalanche of enrollees, uh, but um, this this uh, class will enable business businesses uh, to be stronger on the uh, web front. Uh, it'll discuss nuts and bolts of uh, Google Analytics um, and all the um, and all the uh, disciplines uh, with regard to uh, online business. So, um, with that, I you know I would like to thank you for this time. Wonderful, and Bo. Well, uh, new, um, I would say that uh, from a, a business owner, CEO perspective, that uh, we're greatly encouraged that um, one of our greatest challenges is being able to, to actually move the needle in the business, to figure out what that looks like and, and what we actually do that moves the needle. And, and so one of the tools that we've developed over the last year is a, a web-based tool that, that takes the key indicators, the KPIs or the metrics, and help us track and trend that over about a three-year cycle to observe where we really are moving the needle in the business and to do that in a way of accountability so that in this peer advisory board format, we're able to share these are the five, seven, even ten uh, indicators of the business that we want to track and be intentional about. And this is, uh, this is what our currently moving the needle looks like. And this is, this is our gap, this is our goal, uh, and this is what we're measuring and tracking over time. So we're, we're glad that, uh, that fellow owners and CEOs are able to actually observe, one, I am, I am making progress because all I know is I've been paddling hard. And so I'm able to see that I am 
moving the needle. We are improving. We are doing, uh, we're doing these actions consistently that's making a difference. Um, and then also just looking at the reality of um, what is it that you specifically need in your business uh, that makes a difference now over the next 90 days and over the next year. Not the 300 um, year. Not the 300 year, but basically, you know, <laughs> what do you, what do you need in terms of margin? What do you need in terms of uh, wisdom, but also what do you need in terms of funding? I know a lot of, a lot of what we evaluate is uh, is specific investment in the business. Um, so we spend a lot of time focusing on uh, investment opportunities and questions related around the current investment of the business. So there are, there are uh, six of these owner-CEO uh, peer advisory boards here in North Atlanta currently. Uh, we're thankful that we have a new chairman that's come on board, which will allow us to offer two additional peer advisory boards. And then we're making plans for South Atlanta down to LaGrange and even towards Columbus to be able to offer two new peer advisory boards next year. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys uh, for being here. It's been wonderful. Thank you. And that's thank all you. the time that we have for the show. So, wonderful. Thank you. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.